forever. Dog. Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast, Scary, scary Stories, Stories to, to Tell, tell on, on the pod. pod. It is a podcast about scary things and people who like being scared, but who are scared all the time <laughs> and also like laughing. And that's it. I think that's it. And we're two comedians who've been friends for 14 years. Oh, boy. Soon to be more. Yeah. Soon to have a son. Soon, soon to have the podcast will have a son, a skateboarding son, yeah. be played by a thirty-year-old. Um, yeah, Andrew, uh, you're my friend. You and know, you're my friend, and, and we are once again. The, I think this is going to happen every time Ann and I record in the same room from now on, uh, because yeah, connecting in person. I mean, hell of a drug. I'm addicted to it. I used to be introverted, and now anytime I spend time with anyone, I'm like. What's, um, can I touch your face? Yeah, like, we're, we're all loud, effusive ants now. We are. Um, everybody, we are thrilled to kick off Pride Month. Pride Month, first and <laughs> foremost. <laughs> Notorious gay icon of <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, no, well, yes. I mean, we are, we are very thrilled to kick off Pride <laughs> and not unrelated to kicking off Pride. <laughs> Is our, who knows how long, we're going to say summer long for now, but we'll see how long it goes. Um, We'll see if it gets a sequel. Hey, a series that Ann and I like to call Summer Summer of Summers Summers, or Stephen Stephen Summers Summer. Summer. (laughs) (laughs) You can vote in the comments of the podcast app, which doesn't have comment. You can just start typing. Yeah. Instead of angry bird, it's a quiet ghost. Yeah. Um, what? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, has anyone else felt like maybe that COVID made your brain wet tissues? Yes. I didn't yeah. even have COVID and I have long haul COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Mentally, I am she done. But uh, uh, every Friday for the foreseeable future, Ann and I are going to take some time looking at the filmography of visionary filmmaker Stephen Stephen Summers, Summers, your favorite and ours, our collective favorite director, uh, famously, maybe most famously director of The Mummy, The Mummy of 1999. Don't come here and be like, which one? First of all, if you're talking about the. Um, Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff yeah. one. It's like, just go in your grave and be done with it. <laughs> if you're asking me about the Tom Cruise one, like, who yeah. raised you? I know. Don't say, which one's your favorite? You know which one is my favorite. If your favorite is the Tom Cruise one, then you eat only cotton candy ice cream. And, I, and I'm here to tell you that cotton candy is not a flavor. It's just sweet. <laughs> oh, my God. Jason eats cotton candy ice cream. Jason. Wow. I'm so sorry. Can I ask this? My, this is very off topic already. Um, does it taste, what would cotton candy, (laughs) does it taste different than just sweet? Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. I don't think it tastes necessarily like cotton candy, Okay, but it does have its own flavor that to me is absolutely delicious Okay, and and all its own. If I were to just put sugar ice cream, it'd be totally different. We're losing him. No, this is over. It's boyfriend of the pod, producer of the pod. 
In addition to Tracy Sword, unpaid producer of the pod, Jason Hammonds. Thank you very much. And now sh- stop it. We're talking about Stephen Summers. Yes. Now, Andrew and I famously um, have been friends. And <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> um, my favorite movie is The Mummy. If you cut open my heart, you'd find a little VHS copy of The Mummy. Yes. Um, Andrew also loves Deeply The Deeply meaningful. Yeah. I- I've watched it. I've watched it. I would say... Maybe it is the it is one of the like top five movies that I've watched the most times. You know what I mean? Got it. There was yeah. a, there was a period of time in middle school where that was like the movie that was shown when there was like a party day. Party day. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we we can't just jump right into the mummy. That would be unfair. That would go against the laws of storytelling. It's I think. too much. You have to be engaged before you get married. Yes. So we are easing in the. We're doing things properly. Exactly. Um, and so we are starting by Andrew's, uh, good guidance. Um, my God. Okay. Jason took, <laughs> took a can of giant Arizona iced tea into the other room, but it's in a loft style apartment. So it just amplified the sound of shakak, which is a very fitting noise for this movie that we're going to talk about today. Yes. A can of iced tea being opened in a guest bedroom is <laughs> very the, loud metallic the, sound. Yes. Liquid. Liquid men trying to hide. Wow. And we're starting from the beginning. Yes. Uh, we know that Stephen Summers directed um, a Huck Finn movie with Elijah Wood. He did uh, a Jungle Book movie as well. But we want to start with his love affair with the horror genre. Horror genre. Horror genre. And, uh, and this first one that we're going to be discussing is indeed the film Deep, Deep Rising. Rising. Good idea. Anna, the year is 1998. It is. It is January 30th. Uh, the world is still a buzz with the high seas adventure tragedy and love story of the film Titanic. They are, they love America. It loves the idea of a boat. America, America in many ways is a boat, which is it's a, it's a thing about Titanic. You've got the, you've got the steerage. Is that what? Yeah. I know. Not, I'm actually going to a, a, abandon ship. In on your eyes. One. It looked like you yeah. were catching my eye while a crazy person was telling a story, except the crazy person <laughs> telling the story me. was you. <laughs> You're like, Oh God. But, but behind the shadow, the long shadow of Titanic comes another big boat. And Anna, this, this movie's about it. Oh, sorry. You're talking about the Argonautica. I'm talking about the Argonautica. A good Third idea. The, I, the, the fact that it's... So this movie is about a giant ship called the Argonautica. The ship is so big that it has a How catchphrase. Big? And the what? catchphrase is, your fun ship. Yes, that's right. Like uh, four quarters into the movie, oh, yes. we see as neon sign that says, <laughs> your fun ship. It's like, okay, well... Have- I feel like if we had pitched for five more minutes, we would have found it, but okay. Yeah. That's someone's nephew was, was in the office that day. <laughs> also, I have to say <laughs> I'm wearing stretchy pants and sitting on a leather couch and okay. I can't <laughs> stop sliding <laughs> This, this was my hus- husband of the pod. Chris Ryan is here. <laughs> I made it known my concerns about a leather couch. <laughs> I have also struggled with this. <laughs> Many Goodbye. <laughs> I'm going to hell. <laughs> I am, dear listener, I am fully horizontal. I've never been able. Also, pillows cannot stay on this couch. No. No one. You'll sneeze in the bathroom and a pillow will slide off the couch. 
<laughs> you needed magnets. Yeah. You need and to put rebar in the middle of the couch <laughs> Chris, and magnets in all the pillows. It needs a safety bar. Um, Chris <laughs> promises that as time goes on, leather couches become less slippery. They break in. Okay. Okay. Um, so nothing inherently scary, just about a big ship named the Argonautica. No, I'm not scared yet. Uh, what of it? The pro- so the problem is, Anna, is that this is a sea monster movie. Oh, does sea and- stand for something? Is that a letter? Or are you saying like... <laughs> <laughs> wow! Or like the ocean, the people are asking. Yeah, what could it be? I'm I'm certainly not in the position to make any sort of joke about it right okay. now. I um, wasn't even thinking about that, but okay. <laughs> was the okay? Am I remembering correct? Was there a show called The C Word, but the C Word yes. was cancer? Yes, it, yeah, okay. yeah. You got that right. That's my the friend. one joke that I would make, but I'm not going to do the connective tissue. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um. Anyway, it's a sea monster movie. It stars. First of all, Thumke Onsen. Let's put her first. And I foremost. would say this is really her movie. Yes. I would say that. So the the lead is a man who, say it with me, Tree Treat Williams. Williams. We've all yeah, never we <laughs> heard these two words together before. <laughs> and he was great. Yes. I, Treat Williams. I, I, I'm a fan of his villainous work in the film The Phantom. Um, he plays the bad guy. He has a mustache. He's very good. Yeah. He's handsome in the face. Yes. He's got handsome hair. It, the, the What? What this movie very much smacks of and can be confirmed by our favorite book, Wikipedia, is that uh, this was originally intended to be a Harrison Ford vehicle. Yes. And he is missed in this film. He is sorely missed. But I also get it. I he get Harrison. regrets. Right. I get him reading it and being like, I don't think I want to be wet. And I don't yeah. think he made it past that. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you certainly, he doesn't connect as much as other leading men, I would say. Correct. And also I would say this really could have been Famke's movie, oh. but also was not meant to be her. No. This was, what was her name? Florian. F- uh, Flo- Florian. <laughs> Floriana Grande. <laughs> Claire. Claire Forlani. Claire Forlani. Forlelo. Why can't I say her name? I can't do it's it. COVID. Apparently, again, according to the, the book Wikipedia, it says that after three days of filming, she had to leave because she had creative differences with Steve. And Sanders. I looked up on IMDb. Apparently, the creative differences was that she wanted to dress more realistically <gasps> as somebody who would be on a boat. And he said she was welcome to dress however she wanted when she was not the romantic lead of a movie. Oh. Which is the first time I've heard of Stephen Summers sort of being a, a, a villain. That is, well, I, and it's funny because we were having this conversation. We literally just watched it. Um, the beginning, very slinky red dress. The character Which, is Which, like, makes thief. sense. She's yeah. a supermodel. Put her in a red dress. Yes. Fine. Yes. She's on a big boat. It's, the movie starts off. There's a big cruise liner. There's mm-hmm. a big party. There's too many extras. There's too much going on. There's fire dancers next to scarf dancers, which is a design flaw. The theme of this cruise ship is fraught. It, it's a lot. It, it's the idea of Asia. Right. It's kind of everywhere, but it's called the Argonautica uh, and the which Argo is, is a, Greece. is a Greek thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, this is, it is like travailing the, the South China sea. That's right. That's right. And it is. Um, so there are Chinese dragons, but also there's a lot of um, kind of what appear to be sort of hula style dancing. Yeah. And kind of Polynesian drums. It's like if Epcot had just Asia. It was <laughs> oh, no. specifically Berlin, but then like an entire yeah. half of the world. It very, yeah. It's, it's pastiche in the laziest sense of the term. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, but but we were saying about Famke's wardrobe that at a certain point she is just dressed like one of the other mercenaries. That we she's- see her go into like a crew clothes closet yes. and like pull out stuff and like pull hold pants up against her body. Like, oh yeah, this will fit, which was nice. Yeah. And I'm curious. I wonder if that was kind of inspired by the Claire Forlani conversation. Yes. It's like when you audition for a commercial, you say something funny in your mm. audition and then you see a hot person say what you said. Oh. It's like that sort of, we know it, but they're oh. both, they were both equally hot. Yeah. There's, that's there's, not the issue. But, but, um, so the basic, Anne and I were watching it. We had the subtitles on. I can't, I encourage you to read the Wikipedia if you're interested in the inner workings of the, of the plot. The basic gist that I got, and uh-huh. Anna, let me know how you feel this about it. This is good. It. Yeah. Um, so, Treat Williams runs like a, sh- uh, a little boat company. He runs a boat company. And he is taking a, a kind of intimidating man and his crew somewhere. He doesn't know where. He doesn't know where. The, the, f- like, 80% of the lines in the first 30 minutes of the movie is, where the hell are we going? Oh, that said We're six We're in the times. middle of nowhere. Yeah. The, it, was, it was so bizarre to hear the line, hear the lines, where are we going and where is everybody? Just so interchangeably said Just constantly. Back and forth. Um, I also have to say, the, the like supporting cast of this movie is stacked with people to the point of being distracting. Yeah. This I've pointed it out. I'm sure listeners you've experienced this when you watch a movie from before and a minor character is played by someone who then becomes a major star. It is so distracting. And there was a scene of multiple future major stars. It was Jaiman Hansu. Yes. Talking to the guy from walking dead. Right. Um, Cliff Curtis who played Mamouli. Just unbelievable. Like very distracting. Yeah. And, and so then you're watching and you're being like, Oh, these are the stars of the movie. And then one of them gets an axe in the head like minutes in. Yes. In a, in a very, in a very uh, right away. Way. Um, the other thing that Anne and I noticed from the get go is we were like, wow, what an impressively diverse cast for an action movie in the late nineties. Well, the monster makes his way through quickly. Boy. Oh boy. Uh, that like no, no sooner had we uttered the words diversity when the only two, uh, Asian women in the movie are killed off in different back scenes. Back to back. Back to back. Spoiler alert. Spoiler what? Spoiler Bert. Spoiler Bert. Um, Sorry. They, these, so, so basically, as most sea monster movies go, <laughs> now I can't think of it as being anything other than letter Z monster. Now I'm thinking <laughs> cookie monster. Anyway. Cookie. Um, so as most uh, aquatic monster movies go, this big, huge ship is going along the ocean. It gets hit by a big monster. The monster invades the boat. Um, Treat Williams realizes that these men who have hired him are essentially pirates. Yeah. Their idea was to go on the boat and take mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. Meanwhile, inside the boat, before the stuff goes down, oh, yeah. Famke Janssen's walking around in her little red dress and she's like, <laughs> she basically is dressed exactly like Julia Roberts from the, is it the opera scene from oh, uh, yeah. pretty woman where she's walking around with her diamond necklace and like just pickpocketing people yes. and she's going into the vaults. She's trying to steal stuff. And there's just a vault full of diamonds on this boat. I don't know why that is. I, who, I guess, I guess they make a big point of saying that everyone on this boat is rich. And the point oh, is yeah. made because the head of the boat says you're all rich. Yeah. So I think a sort of a, a Summergian um, 
pattern is mm. someone making a big crazy speech at the beginning of the movie. Yes. About like, here's the deal. Um, and this was by the the ship's captain who whose wardrobe was sort of a proto Rick O'Connell from the mummy. That is a very He's got good a white button down with um suspenders. Uh, suspenders. Yeah. yeah, but he also was like a proto Mr. Burns because he has a I'm a virgin, where's my glasses kind of moment. That's right. Cowards wear glasses, another submersion. Nerds. Summers is not a nerd fan. Um, He doesn't like nerd. You like in his, this is jumping ahead, but like his hatred of nerds in these movies and like, I'm the person in charge. So I'll be the one dictating how it like, seems like he has issues with suits and studio people when the reality is he's been given unbelievable amounts of blank checks. (laughs) Like what happened? Didn't you get to do whatever you wanted so many times? (laughs) This, it, What's it, the problem? It also is occurring to me that um, another Summersian quality is a love of protagonists and supporting characters with Irish last names. Yes, you pointed this out. We got Finnegan. We got Mulligan. In The Mummy, we've got O'Connell. I mean, yeah. we're just thick with Irishness in these movies. In Van Helsing, there's little Timmy O'Tutu. Frankenstein. Yeah. Um. The other thing is, so like, so this crew of pirates, it is very clear from the outset we were talking about this, that um, this movie is like a pre-edit of The Mummy. Yes. It's just there's too much of everything. So like, Which I would say is another submersion sort of yeah. trope and slash drawback is no filter. Yes. Get it all in there. And that is, it is, it is the really delightful thing about so many of Stephen Summers, like summer blockbuster movies, Mm -hmm. which are very, um, a kid friendly in a way that it's funny, but it's scary, but it's mostly funny. And you're finding yourself rooting for charming antiheroes. Right. But this movie, uh, I, I mean, kind of from the get go, we see the sea monster hit the boat. People are extras are tumbling over into glass. People have blood drips on their heads. There are so many scenes of like women in their fifties being flung through a plate of glass window (laughs) in a ball gown. They do it a hundred times to a hundred different women and it's all practical. There's nothing that's like, these are real, like I, there has to have been like at least a dozen extras die like yeah. on the screw. I also, I also will say, I, I know um, uh, a segment that Ann and I cannot help but revisit in uh, in these movies is how gay is it? Yeah. Um, and really early on, we get two bartendresses kissing lips. Smooch. They smooch. Yeah. Which, what a thrill for a yeah. 1998 movie. Yeah, you can tell that they're both straight, but yeah. like the trope of two straight girls kissing each other is so straight that it's almost queer. Yes, and I mean, for this time period, you know, for the second Clinton administration, this is as gay as we're going to get in a movie yeah. theater, everybody. This is straight. <laughs> um, I also, another uh, gay thing that happens is a woman smooching somebody while giving him stitches. Very gay. That's gay. Smooching someone while giving them stitches, that's like... That's a queer narrative. <laughs> right. And uh, furthermore, just to throw uh, to me what maybe is the gayest line in the movie, the villain <laughs> at one point says, give me the key, bitch, which I hate to repeat key, a joke. Bitch. Give me that key, bitch. And that's what to me, I was like, that's a rude BFA person auditioning <laughs> for a musical. That's how they address the piano player. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone's like, Oh, you'll never work again. Yep. Um, yep. so 
I mean, I guess, Anna, we've just got to get to the scary thing. Of yeah. This movie. What is the monster of this movie? Um, the monster from first appearances seems to be several snake-like, wormy, velociraptor-headed things. Yeah. They're like little tentacle guys that don't have suckers on them, I don't think. No, just teeth. It's just like a long sort of elephant trunk. And the mouth, I thought the mouth was very interesting. It was yeah. like a... F- it was like if you took your fingers and put them together and like had, I can't, this is a podcast, like picture <laughs> sort of like, if you watch the movie Deep Rising, you'll yes. picture what I'm picturing. Um, but it, like the mouth had like multiple openings with teeth in it. Right. It was very scary. It looked, it was reminiscent, a future reminiscent of the Demogorgon <gasps> from Stranger Things. You're totally right. Um, wow. But it, then it revealed a jaw and a mouth that was, I'm sorry to say, pretty vaginal. Vaginal, yeah. Very vaginal, very teeth, very sort of like the fear of woman. I would say also like the movie opens with a, te- a text card right. that says something about deep beneath the South China Sea, there is uh, like deep holes yeah, that could hide the Himalayas. right. And there are creatures down there that no one knows what they are. And they're crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> and it's in a very Stephen Summers font too. It's uh, another submersion trope. This is the font. And it's not papyrus, which I appreciate. It's not papyrus. The restraint. Yeah. Yes. The restraint. You can feel it of him right. not using papyrus is it's the only time he's ever exercised. I, and I love it. Cause it's like, it's like you can break one rule. And for Stephen Summers, he's like, the rule I'm breaking is that I'm following one rule. And that rule is I'm not going to use papyrus. Yes. You know? Um, okay. So yeah. So, but which I, sorry to say also feels like a, a fear of the feminine. <gasps> the ocean is feminine. It's what? deep in depths. Yes. It's secret. This is so interesting because this film in a lot of the reviews gets compared to aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of kind of vaginal, like, uh, um, uh, coded woman, like fear of women, uh, queens, face huggers, everything kind of, yeah, the, the, like the slits and things. Um, but I wonder what it is. Cause this one, this movie doesn't really do much with that imagery. You know, I would say it does. I I wrote down vaginal imagery because there's a character who gets sucked through like a, a catwalk through a pre-made almond shaped, like sliver (laughs) in the middle he gets eaten through like a reverse birth. Oh, he gets sucked slowly oh, through it. Yes. Yeah. Into the water, That's the true. water, the wet, it's very vaginal. I'm sorry. This is film school. <laughs> Did you think this was a podcast? No, no sorry. This is college. You're paying $50,000 a year to listen to this. At podcast. least plus meals, uh, plus meals. We're not paying for your lunch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but the reveal is that these several tentacles belong to, Let's just say it. It's a big octopus. It's a big octopus. Right. But the octopus has a face, which surprise. I was waiting for eyeballs. Here's the thing with movies. If something doesn't have eyeballs, I can't get that scared of it. Or I guess it's very scary if something doesn't have eyeballs because then you're not connecting to it. Yeah. But the eyes were also kind of elephantish. I know. I know. We a weird degree of pathos in the eyes when we finally see the monster. They're very milky. It grabs Treat Williams. It's eaten every one of the pirates. Um, really starting with the people of color first in uh, yeah. a, a notable dis- distressing way. Um, treat. It picks up Treat Williams. One of the tentacles punches. Treat Williams in the face. Cocks back and punches him like a bar fight, yes. which was satisfying, I have to say. I love the thought because this, like, think about yourself picking up an ant 
and instead of crushing it, you just punch it with your finger. You're just hurting your own finger at that right, point. At that point. But the the giant octopus turns around. We see a face. The other thing that I thought is, why does this thing need so many mouths? It's got a mouth know. on each tentacle. Why are you so hungry? And then it's got its own mouth on its face. And then what? So where's the butthole? Where's the butt? And there is a poop there, scene. There is a poop scene. Um, it doesn't feel like poop because it's so... Um, yeah, it's bony and bloody. <laughs> Which, well, well yeah. brag. happy pride. Uh, happy pride. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, anyway, so it's funny. Half our listeners are happy pride, and the other half are like, "He said husband, and I am now gay." <laughs> it's the world is a big place, you know. That is true. Um, but yeah, so the way that it digests it, which I found this, like going back to oh. like, what is the monster? I yeah. thought it was very spooky that it eats people. And then sort of like an owl will just regurgitate its um, skeleton. And then it's like half digested. There's a lot of, when they get on the boat, there's no people. It's just blood splashed everywhere. Very scary. And then eventually they find these very bloody skeletons. So look, it looks like red jello. Yes. But everything is digested except for the eyes, which can't be scientific. But um, there is a scene where they cut open one of the tentacles and a half alive guy falls out. And he is we can assume been half digested and he's being burned by acid and he turns around and his half his face is digested and he's it's like, a, it's a skull and he's screaming. He's and screaming. Scared, scared me very much. Yeah. Like and that. the actor who played Billy, that character, um, his IMDb photo is, uh, him in this role, <gasps> no. which is nice. Um, oh. it's good. But, um, that to me felt like a proto Imhotep because <gasps> you can see like, the TMJ muscle in his jaw and like totally tendons right. and stuff and like the exposed eyeball. Eyeball, you're Yeah. Right. And like half his brain. Imhotep famously has a big, this is the mummy from the mummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a big dent in his head. Also foreshadowing for the mummy, which I will get to everybody. Everyone, everything's fine. Um, but is the, the melting of people, like just the images yeah. of melting those, the poor, uh, workers get melted by salt acid in the mummy. Yes. Right? So there, there's a lot of melting in Stephen Summers movies, which notable. It's interesting. It's spooky to see. It can be done with pra- practical effects. And I think people like that. People like it. They like cause and effect. And there's a lot of cause and effect in Stephen Summers films. Wow. <laughs> there is, you know what, uh, going back to cause and effect and the idea of workers being killed by salt acid. Um, <laughs> With these movies and with monster movies in general, yep. you need to have a big enough cast that you can see the consequences of the scary thing by having less important characters be killed in the way that you're worried that our favorite characters will be killed. Oh, yeah. So like, <laughs> like when you see, we just saw Army of the Dead, which was amazing. Oh, yeah. And like. They're like, we have, we need a group of uh, like 11 people. And it's like, why? <laughs> oh, okay. So we can like see the ways in which the zombies kill people yeah. without being too sad right away. Um, and there is like 30, I wrote down 30 characters of equal importance in this Yes, <laughs> that's so exactly it. People. We get too You're much like, information about all of them in a way that I did feel bad when each of them died. Yeah, well, that's the Stephen Summers. That's the amazing. I feel like we've been shitting on him a lot because we love, but like yeah. that is the amazing thing. And his genius is the ability to use humor and little moments of pathos to make yes. you 
love a character who really doesn't have that much screen time ultimately. Yeah. Like he loves Kevin J. O'Connor. That is his like, Oh yeah. That's his Leonardo DiCaprio. Like he can't stop casting the student stuff. I love that friendship. I love it too. And I want to like watch them hang out. I'm so I want to see them in each other's giant backyards. I I really hope the best for both of them. If you're listening, uh, how could, I mean, how could you not be? How could you not be? First of all, Um, what do you have kids? (laughs) But, but yeah, there's something I, I, I do want to sing Stephen Summers praises for a bit because I think the uh, childlike fun that he approaches so many of his films with is contagious. They all have this sort of Saturday afternoon uh, quality of viewing pre- pleasure. I watched this movie for the first time on a Saturday afternoon with the famous Warren brothers. Yay. Um, and the, the thing that we could hold on to because I was very scared of the melting people. Um, is that the lead villainous character who owns the boat says the Argonautica in such a funny way. And it gave us a thing to laugh about all throughout the movie where he says, like, instead of saying the Argonautica, every time he says it, he says the Argonautica. (laughs) And I think that awareness as a, as a director, knowing that like this movie is going to be seen by sneaky kids. Um, I think is very fun. Yeah. Stephen Summers does seem to have the knowledge that like a 10 year old is going to see this. It's going to freak them out badly, Yes, but they're going to love it. Right. It will warp them a little bit, (laughs) Um, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like there's something that's going to make you have to cover your eyes in his movies. Right. And I think, and that is, we had this thought watching it where initially and I do, I think this in some ways, like, because the mummy is such a, uh, Mark two of this movie, it feels like, I think what he gets rid of in then in his like next iteration is this movie is a little mean. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, it lingers a little bit too much on suffering of people who we've gotten to know. Yeah. Um, and in many ways there's a scene where we're in like the monster's dumping ground where it like ejects all of the bodies that suck dry. Mm-hmm. And the directorial choice to play the screams of the people, assumedly, like from the moment they died earlier, echoing throughout that scene yes. is, I mean, very effective, but also like in, in the, in the summer's oeuvre, it gets a little too real. It's a little too real. And like at the beginning of the movie, like when we watch this whole boat, it's very crowded, yes. very crowded boat of people get absolutely pummeled to death. Yes. Um, we don't hate them enough to see that happen. Yeah. Like in the mummy and in Van Helsing and these other future summers movies, the people who die kind of deserve it on some level. Almost always. Like yeah. the, the Americans in the mummy, their, their sin is hubris yes. and a lack of respect. <laughs> Um, but they're good people. And that's coming back, sort of looping back around to what we were talking about. Like there, there are all these little moments like Kevin J. O'Connor, he plays in the mummy and Van Helsing in this movie, like the lovable scoundrel. Yes. Um, but he has a girlfriend who he loves and like, he's very sweet about. And like, it just, there are these characters that like, they're goofy and funny, but also I'm just talking in circles at this point. I like like, it. Thank you. Um, yeah, he's able to make you care, but he doesn't spend a ton of time doing that. And he doesn't do it until like way later in the movie. I know. know. Like the first thing that happens for an hour and a half is like carnage and people going like, Oh, this shit. Like the thing (laughs) that I think is very unique about Steven Summers is like kind of riffs on the snakes. Why did it have to be snakes from Indiana Jones where it's like, 
the idea that you can have this big epic movie with big epic movie stars, but the attitude is a little closer to like, I'm having a rough day at the office. Like, I think that that's another part of his genius is that he's able to have, like, there are all these moments of him and Famke Janssen looking at stuff and going like, uh, time. Oh, he says time to go, which is again, something that Rick O'Connell says in the mummy time to go. And she goes, yeah, good idea. Like that's sort of like, can you believe it? <laughs> and another another Stephen Summers thing. There's just like this very Gen X, like sardonic, nihilistic, yeah. like what the hell is going on? That like there's a lot of questions in his movies. Right. A lot. The characters, there's a lot of like, where the hell are we? What the hell is going on? Where'd everybody what? go? He Who says, are you? Yeah. He says the hell a lot, too. If you'll watch oh, in his movies. Yeah. Um, where the hell are they? Where the hell am I? Yeah. Like. It's just, it has that very Gen X, like, who cares? That's a very good point. I diagnosed him as Gen X. I don't know. I'll have to look at the dates. But I, Because I, there is something, honestly, it's like the two lead characters in this movie, Treat Williams and Pompke Johnson, could very well be Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt from Mad About You. Like, there is, like, you kind of just take oh, that yeah. sense of humor and drop it into a monster movie, and that's the sort of vibe. Completely. I, Anna, oh, you he br- is a boomer. You okay. brought this up, um, which which really stuck which really stuck out to me in a good way that like, if this were Famke's movie, because she's a thief on board that ship, trying to just rob a bunch of rich people immediately. We, the huddled masses watching this movie are rooting for her, right? Yes. Um, we didn't need Trey Williams on that random boat because the movie opens cutting back and forth between this random bomb boat and like big stupid party boat. And it were like it we would be fine. All all respect to Treat Williams, who I do think is very charming and lovely in this movie. But but structurally, if it were just Famka on the boat with some pirates who come aboard and are trying to rob it, she like they are two sides of the same coin. She's like upper clust rob upper clust. Oh upper clust rob blob. Help me. Hello. <laughs> that's a grab. Sir and that's a big grab. And you know what? Uh that joined the Grebellion. Um but I think oh, no. I know if there's already catchphrases, it's I fine. need to stop myself. Um, <laughs> but the idea of her kind of like trying to use her um, Machiavellian brain to get what she needs from these other robbers and get out of there alive. Very interesting. And the character is instantly given less to do when treat William shows up because yes. it, she just, is, they, they give her a gun, but she's not making money moves. You know, she's not, She's not like, I have to say something that I'm realizing now that we have to give points to Stephen Summers for, I would say, and this is for me to like give any kind of credit to a man for anything is, is (laughs) enormous growth and testament to my therapist, um, whose name is private. Um, (laughs) it's actually none of your business and I'm offended that you've asked, but like, I do think that he has good female characters in his movies. I think that the way they come out is a little bit cynical in Hollywood where it's like, yeah, they have to like look hot and be tiny. Right. But like, I think that the way he shoots women is very, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) backing up Uh the way that like, it's not like Michael Bay where he's like pointed slow motion on just her body. Like the way that she's shot is like, she is Han Solo. Yeah. Like she is a, a beautiful hero. That's very true. Um, It's not lingering and shitty. Um, I think part of the reason we don't like Treat Williams as much in this movie as we like, say like Rick O'Connell or Hugh Jackman and Van Helsing Mm -hmm. is because the camera 
is not being creepy at all to him. Oh. He's not shot like he's he's not there's no erotics in the way that he is shot. Right. Which I do think is like a rookie mistake. The like if you are a man, this is free advice. If you are a straight man working in Hollywood, understand that your lead who's a guy is beautiful and like right. pretend for a second that he's a woman and yeah. just shoot him that way because that way people will like your movie more. That is a really good point. There's so many times where I watch a movie and I'm like, there are no women or gay men on this production at all because yeah. like the camera just like points at him. It's like a, it, it's the cinematic equivalent of an ID card photo where it's like, <laughs> this is what he looks like. Okay. Anyway, we're going with the movie. Like, no, like there are barely any close-ups on him. Um, every time the camera's on him, he's talking, right? It's, there's no, like, we don't get to see him think through things. Like the movie is so jam packed that we don't ever get to connect. That's the thing. It is th- this. <sighs> Sorry. The, the pillow just made the, um, zoom slide off the couch. Yeah, good Lord. Oh my I'm God. So Onto sorry. the dog. <laughs> She's dead now. This is, it's like, this is why Lady Bird is very hesitant to get on the couch. She oh knows. my God. She knows she's, um, she's upset that we're on the couch. <laughs> I, th- this is such a good point, Anna. Because, and it's and and you make such a good distinction of like it's not about being like leering and gross. It's just about recognizing when your lead looks good. Yeah, you know? and like your lead does look good because guess what? It's a forty-five million dollar movie. And Treat Williams is like a very attractive man, but the energy with which this is shot is more like like dad's mad. Like that's the kind of like yeah. It's like it 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 understands the wrong things about Han Solo. It's like, Oh, Han Solo is over it and doesn't care. And is like rolling his eyes. Like I'm just doing this job. It's like, no, Han Solo is actually one of our society's most beautiful people. Yeah, he's and a that's why V line neck. Yeah, cinema doesn't have a ton of uggos who are like this shit. Like <laughs> that's not fun to watch. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, um. So yeah, that would, would be my studio note for this movie. Is like just give it, even if it's not like for erotic reasons. Like you have to let us see the character think through something. Yeah. And there was just very little air very little like people processing things, which makes sense to me because like you want a shortish runtime, right? This is an enormous, they're like there, every scene in this movie has like exploding floods and guts and monster and like lead actors standing in water. Like you can't keep them there that long, but it is like, I wish there had just been a little bit of breathing room. I agree. We needed, uh, here's, here's my pitch for a thing that I think would have, would have sold me on this movie a little more. If they had like, in Jurassic Park, there's mm-hmm. like the ice cream scene. The kids get to yes. like eat at the buffet. There's a bit, there's like a little bit of fantasy of like, oh, that's fun. Right. They're on this cruise ship filled with rich people. Could there have been like one fun, like gambling scene where they like play the slots and they're like, oh my yes. gosh, I want. like just one fun, silly thing. There was no like, um, trailer moment of them, like dancing to a song or something. Right, right. Like the only music that happens is Muzak girl from Empanema in the elevator, which like then later, his character's name wasn't Benny, but it was Kevin J. O'Connor. Yeah, yeah, it's Benny was sort of singing along to it. And I was like, oh, that's funny. But like, there was no fun moment. You're exactly right. They were just constantly, there was also zero B plot whatsoever. It was just, wow. it was just the monster is coming. You're right. Because initially the, it needed initially the B plots Famke. And it's like, is she going to get the diamonds? And my thing was like, she should still be trying to get those diamonds. Like William should be like, we got to get out of here. I just want to survive. And she's like, I need those diamonds in that safe. And it's interesting because that is, that is Rick O'Connell. 
Oh. Rick O'Connell and the mummy wants the treasure. And right. And sort of doesn't care about the job. And that's good. Evelyn wants the scholarship and yes. the learning and the experience in the field. This was just treat Williams was like, I'm just doing this for money, which is not compelling. Like yeah. it's, if it's like, um, uh, happy Gilmore and he needs the money for his grandmother. <laughs> right. Like I get it. Yeah. But like, if it's just, this is my job, I need the money. That's not interesting. Um, yeah. And you're totally right, Andrew. It, but but you pointed this out that there's no B plot. And and yeah, that the B plot is typically where maybe we have a little fun and there's not really a whole lot of fun here. Yeah. It's that everyone is, um, everyone is acting too rationally in that like the survival is the most important thing. And we don't get any of the things about like that are fun and silly about saying, Oh, I want this thing because it's meaningful to me for some silly reason. Um, I guess, I mean, here's a question, Anna. Okay. We've, <laughs> okay. We've talked about, we've talked about who is not hot in this movie. Okay. Oh yeah. Who's hot. This who's is a good hot? segment that we will come back to. Who's hot. Yeah. I would say a bunch of people are hot. I would yeah. say Famke is the hottest. For sure. Which again, it feels like if you'd just gotten rid of Treat Williams and that whole fucking boat of people, this would have been an amazing movie. And also if there had been more color. That is a real- The only color, it was like Schindler's List. The yes, only color was her, her red, red dress. dress. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh no, you're And right. like the two second shot of a Chinese dragon, which oh. was standing immediately next to the fire dancers. Get them, separate them all. I bit. know. That, that is, where's the stage manager and where's the dramaturg? Right? And they're both pissed off and that they both quit. <laughs> um, um, who else is hot? Um, what's his name? Not the guy from walking. Dead. Oh, Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis is, is hot. hot. He's hot. I, it be, I'm tired of people pretending that he's not. He is. He's hot. Um, why else is he a movie star? I'm sorry. And Anna, you pointed out, and this might be a gag for everybody, but you pointed out the sleeper hot person in this movie. And it's Kevin J. O'Connor. Here's the thing. I didn't know that he was hot because it feels like the thing of like Kevin J. O'Connor. Okay. He's Benny. He's got this little mustache. He's got a fez. Okay. He's Igor in Van Helsing. He's got prosthetics. full prosthetics, seven hours of things glued to his face. Yeah. This is a handsome man. Yeah. And I get that like you and your straight friend director, you're both straight guys. So like, the idea of you looking hot in his movie is not going to happen <laughs> because that's gay. Looking yep. hot for girls is gay. <laughs> Famously. Um, and there is something queer about a man dating a woman. That you know? is true. Uh, Queering of straightness. Very queer yeah. to be straight at this point, you know? Um, but he's attractive and the camera loves him and they keep doing weird things to him to make him look weird. I would argue the thing that makes him less hot is his voice. I think his voice is very like yeah. wimpy cowardy guy. He's kind of putting on a Nicktoons mid nineties voice. Yeah. Um, and the hair length. I think that's the big the thing. hair length. Men of Hollywood, men of the world. It's not a bad thing to have male pattern no, baldness. It's, it's, it's not. totally fine. If, but if your hair is quite long and scraggly, it, it's just, you're not framing your face as well as you could We need for you to figure it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a good sleeper hit. I mean, there are very few women in this movie, which is very few. also rare for it. That's a, well, that's a, a Stephen Summers thing. That's very true. few, but good female characters. Yes. Oh, the woman at the beginning on the boat. Yes. She was gorgeous. And her, and her, um, her nickname is chick with the muscles, which I also thought was fun. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Cause she's, yeah. She, when we see her, she's screaming on the hood of the boat. Is it called the hood on the, <laughs> the, the stern, the stork? What is it? The turd, uh, the turd, the, the turb, the front of the boat. Yeah. And the, she's just screaming and going like, fuck. 
rock in the rain while <laughs> welding. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah, I do <laughs> that's like that. Cool. That's not a stereotype of anything. Is someone going like, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's not anything. I really, I did appreciate that. No, she was great. Um, and I guess, I mean, we've already kind of talked about what are the things we would do to fix it. Um, what occasion... Like, who would you share this movie with? Who is this movie good for? I think this is a fantastic movie for um, adult children to watch with their parents when it's on TNT. I love that. That's a huge audience. This is um, this is every kind of person yes. that I can think of. I also think it was probably a good date movie. Yeah, it's that's like, true. But it's like, ooh. It's you know? not overtly horny enough that your date's going to be like, who's this creep? The main horny thing is just the amount of goo that's stripping off of things in the movie, which is gay. Uh, goo is gay. And the fact that I, here's something I appreciated at the end of the movie, the spoiler alert, Famke kisses treat. She like just decides yeah. there's not been a romantic thing between the two of them. They've both just been working together. She looks at them and she's like, pulls them in, kiss but it's very much like we've succeeded and not yes. like suddenly I am this like love goddess, you know? Yeah. No, it was. And she was like clearly into him. Um, Anna, if there's anything that you could ask Steven about this movie or anything you'd like to tell him, what do you think it would be? Um, I think it would be, um, I love the movie. So mummy, the, the mummy so much. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Andrew, that is what would come out of my mouth if I ever met this man. Like, hi. You ever try to talk to someone and just the word the comes out? Yes, I have. Um, I think, but it, I would ask him, um, what were some surprising things you didn't think would come up as a result of shooting in a, like three feet of water for oh, two months? Like what were some of the issues you ran into? That's really good. This is why I shouldn't be a writer. The only things that are interesting to me are like production. Things. No, I, but I, but also I think, <laughs> I think that's a, that they probably don't get questions like that all the time. Instead. It's like, who do you have beef with? Like, it's like, I want to <laughs> hear are constantly asking Stephen Summers. Who, who do you have beef with? with? Um, well, this what is about you. Okay. This is, this is my thing. We were talking about this. You pointed this out when you were watching it where you were like, Oh, this is a ride. Like, Oh yeah. He's this, is, what- this is a, another segment we have. Uh, he's always thinking about the ride. What right. is, what's the ride? Right. And to me, the ride is the moment at the end where they're on the ski do going through the hallways of the boat. Yes. Which would be a great ride by the way. It would be a great ride. Yeah. There's a part where they like bank turn into, they're like, we need to pick up speed to go up that ramp. And then, go down a hallway really fast into a big room and then bank around and then see the monster coming through and they yeah. turn back around to go back. I, I was love like it. that. It just looks like a, a ride at universal. And my question for him in, in, in tandem with that is, did he picture it with like a bright yellow nineties ski do? Because something about like, they're just, there's a lot of shots of the ski do. And it's like, yeah. was that a sponsored thing or was he like, or was that just how ski do's looked back then? Yeah, it was like we wish we could paint it, but we can't, or yeah. something. Because it'll it does flake. clash with the it's it. There's something kind of silly about it. Maybe that was part of the point. Oh, it was yeah, like that, that it's be. silly. Yeah, that would be my question. The idea is that it's silly. If we, what would we ever do if we met him? I mean, you just I said. would fucking th- 
just start crying. I think <laughs> I would start crying and then I'd say, I work at SNL so that he'd be like, Oh, I am interested in you. And then I would throw up and like, I would throw up my one life raft of you have to find me interesting and then just piss. <laughs> um, Wait, should we round out um, how gay is it or what's gay about it? Okay. So, so yeah. Are there okay. any other things that are gay about it? We've yeah. Covered- so there's, there's a character with a, an alternative, alternate lifestyle haircut. He's got a side shave with um, lines. Trevor Goddard, who played Trevor. Kano in the 1995 Mortal Kombat. God bless you for yeah, knowing gay that. gay icon. That's gay. Um, lots of vaginal terror. We've talked about that. That's gay. Yep. Um, making a point by telling a long story about an octopus. That's gay. Wow. That he does, is the Treat Williams does that at some point. That's very gay. Um, the line, I'm going to get my ass to the surface. That's gay. Oh, and then uh, the line after that is, I just hope to God those things aren't crawling all over the boat and I was like Fire Island that's that's gay. very gay yeah yeah or I do hope to God <laughs> yeah. um and uh, p- uh, pardon me but the woman sitting on the toilet and getting sucked through by the animal yeah um getting your ass eaten in the bathroom during a party wow that's gay. that is very gay. <laughs> that's gay <laughs> and uh I'm sorry also she is. caught he was on the ski do he's on the front because he's a boy and she's on the back because he's <gasps> a girl and he's a girl, sorry. And he is the, the creatures coming at them behind yes. them. And he is able to put his rifle over his shoulder and he yells cock it yeah. a couple times. And she like chunk, chunk, yeah. like cocks it for him over the shoulder. And I was like, that's the gayest thing that two straight people can do. Together. That's essentially pegging. That is, pegging. Yeah. it was like weirdly very hot. It was hot. It wasn't even like, fa- it wasn't even like about him at that point. No, no, it's about the act. It's about the, act. it's not about <laughs> the object of receiving it. It is about the act upon it. Um, yeah, there was, yeah, there, I, I mean, definitely for me, as you said, like getting your ass ate to death is canonically queer. Yeah. Um, boats, rich people on boats, rich people on boats going, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's gay. laughs> no. Um, and there, at, at one point the, the, um, loop artists, the fact that they were doing the voices of like middle-aged women screaming, getting crushed to death. <laughs> That's I, very queer. Yeah, that is queer because queer. A, a room full of a room full of artists being like, okay, that fifty-five-year-old woman in a uh, azure dress. Um, okay, she's getting stomped on by a man. Oh, like, <laughs> like that is. I mean, that's that's drag and that's art. And that's yes, gay. and I'm yeah. sure my cackle just now was very echoey, which <laughs> an echoey cackle is very gay. Yeah. Um, the line. Half of them are packing lipstick. Careful you don't get glossed. Oh, yeah, that was catty. Let's, I like let's that. go through some great lines. Um, old Jezebel got it right in the brain pan. <laughs> I'm not going to explain that one because I don't understand it either. <laughs> this place looks post-evac. Total spooky town. Yep. Great line. This was a great exchange. Was this Famke Jansen and Kevin J. O'Connor? I can't remember, but it was, I don't like you. And then he says, you don't you even don't know, know me. me. It's so funny. That's a really good one. That was um, Trevor Goddard. Who oh. had the streaks? Oh, he said that to Benny. Yeah, yeah, Kevin yeah. Kevin J. O'Connor. Um, and when I said he's a gay icon, I that actor is not gay, but Kano in that Mortal Kombat movie, I think, awakened a lot of people's sexualities. Anyway, oh, so he's a gay icon. Yeah, there there are some really good. There's some really um, good lines. In this. And there there's a great line that was apparently riffed by Kevin J. O'Connor, where he turns to Famke Janssen and says, after they've been running a lot, "Can you suddenly get asthma, or do you have to be born with it?" 
I love that. That is so funny. Yeah. I and, like that. And she kind of has a smirk too. It's like yeah. they're having, that is, you know what? That's the moment. That's when they're having fun. That's when they're having fun. Yeah. And you know what? And thank you, Kevin J. O'Connor. And that will be something we come back to a lot. <laughs> and also here's something for all you actors out there. Something Famke Janssen does that's so brilliant. She smiles a lot. And you know what? People like when other people smile. The at one point we had to pause the movie to get food and the <laughs> frame that we paused on, ladies and gentlemen, Chris, did you by chance get a picture of it? Ah, oh, darn. <laughs> Famke Janssen is one of We the have mo- it for another 45 hours. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Famke Janssen is like one of the most traditionally beautiful people imaginable. Yes. We caught her in the one face she's ever made in her life that made her look like a normal person. Like she had even one chin. And I feel like the line on the screen was, um, it just said gun cocks. <laughs> and I think that's the last that's the last gay thing about this. That was movie. the last gay thing. And she's like smiling with a double chin, which is the which is a gay thing. Oh yeah. Smiling, smiling with a double, double chin. chin is gay. Yeah. Um <laughs> which means I was born gay. The crossover <laughs> and I still am. The crossover of listeners for this episode. People <laughs> no searching one. out deep rising and also people who are willing to hear <laughs> And people Gay who just jokes? want to hear scary stories to tell in the dark. I know. Wow. You Th- know what? Thank you for thank you for coming along with us, everybody. Yeah. Look, you know what? I would say. Um, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. I would say you're great. You know. And thank you for listening. And we should say this movie cost forty five million dollars to make. It sure did. Do you, do you, did you guys hear me before when I said how much it made? Do you want to guess? Chris is guessing. Yeah. He's guessing okay, 18. Guess 18. Jason, Jason. Do you want to guess? 62. 62. The answer, 11.2 million. Was that global or US? I don't know. Oh, it had to make a killing globally. Because, but here's, uh, this is why I have hope. And I think this should be a success story for Stephen Summers and also for everyone else. You can lose $30 million in a movie. And then the movie you make after that can be the mummy international blockbuster. And also this is like a cult classic. This is a favorite movie. Yes. A total intake of 11.2 girl. It's 30% on rotten tomatoes, but 87% of people on Google say that they liked it. Okay. Um, Ebert included the film. Well, this is a good, uh, uh, segment to come back to, which is what Ebert, what did Ebert say? Oh yes, that's great. He included it on his most hated film list. This is from our favorite book, Wikipedia. Ebert called the film quote, essentially an alien clone with a fresh paint job. Oh, mean. mean, he could be mean. And you know what? This is something about Ebert. He doesn't like capers. He doesn't like, um, a heightened supernatural spooky stuff. Yes. He said that his least favorite part of Home Alone was the uh, the, 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 the the robbers, the robbers, and the um, booby traps. He yes. was like, "If only Home Alone didn't have the booby traps in it." I was like, "Excuse me, sir." Um, and he said he didn't like the part in um, What Lies Beneath, where it turns into a ghost story, which is like, "Girl, read a room." Yeah, read the room. Um, so sorry. <laughs> um, but what's, we've already said a lot of good things. What's genius about this movie? I'll start the practical effects. Yes. Unbelievable. The, they had a, two models of the cruise ship were created a 38 foot model for sharts of the sharts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> 38 foot model just for sharts. 
It's big enough. I'm so If somebody sorry. does one, we can go to another part of the boat. It's a little, this is a, a hidden Hollywood secret. Oh my God. And a 110 foot model for sinking. I love that. That is massive. That is a huge, imagine building it and knowing that the purpose is to sink it. No, um, I won't do it. I, um, oh, sorry. Oh, just that uh, for a positive spin on that, uh, Ty Burr for Entertainment Weekly called the film, quote, a tightly written, often howlingly funny aliens knockoff that and its portrayal of tough men and tougher women under pressure favorably recalls the work of Howard Hawks. Oh. And bloody disgusting wrote, excellent cast, state of the art special effects and terrific acting. This is a movie that should not be missed. I would agree with that. I don't think it should be missed. Yeah, I, it's a fun one. And then of it, Stephen Summers will give him the last word. Um, the, of the review section, not yes. you can still talk. Um, <laughs> he said, quote, it didn't do a ton of business, but it had a very fervent following. That's very sweet. That's very sweet. I, and it did a lot on Blu-ray and DVD and VHS. Oh, that that's definitely how I saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie, I, I, again, it you're going to have fun watching it for a variety of reasons. I would say the brilliant thing about it, which I can't believe I'm saying because in the end, Anna, you and I both groaned. To end your movie, mm. setting it up for such a sequel that is never going to happen. Never going to happen. I think the brilliantness of it is just go for broke. Act, step confidently in the sequel of your dreams. Because this is so funny. They land on, uh, this is a big old spoiler alert, everybody. They land on an island and the last line of the movie after escaping this huge monster is another monster roar and then the trees on the island falling down near them to indicate another huge monster running towards them. And then we see in the background a giant volcano. Right. Are we to assume it's King Kong? Are we to assume it's a dinosaur or just some other ungodly monster? We don't know. Yeah. See, and you say that you like the idea of boldly asking for a sequel. For me, I find this very... uh cringe inducing i get mm. so nervous when a movie's like and give me a sequel please goodbye <laughs> i'm like don't ask for what you want what are you doing i like <laughs> i it took me so long jason had to tell me and my closest friend that we like each other and wanted to hang out with each other because <laughs> he was like i've listened to both of you say i'll get out of your hair all year <laughs> and then he pointed out that we both wanted to have dinner with each other and we're both saying like, you probably have plans. No, you probably have plans. And he had to be like, you, neither of you have plans and you want to hang out. I, I have I, very low self-esteem. And when a movie is like, give me another movie now, I, I don't relate to it. It is. It, I will say now that you're saying this, it does remind me of when child actors at the end of the, their auditions tape say like, see you on set. And it's like, <gasps> oh no. Have you seen this? I have. Oh, I've seen it. And here's what I say oh. to any of you who have children who are, please don't, don't do this to them and don't oh, have their no. acting teachers do that. Like it just is, oh. it's hard for everybody and it doesn't make anyone feel good. Oh, and it's not no. going to make your kid feel good. And the that, best way to get what you want is to be good. <laughs> that's you true. You shouldn't ask for it. I, but I, I'm just saying that what I, I admire the fact that Steven Summers is making this movie. He's like, and not next going to make the mummy. And I'm just manifesting. Yeah. That this is, going to happen for me. And it also, it he must've been some kind of wonder kid at the time, uh, because the movie came out in 1998. And by that point, they're already in production on the mummy. Right. Uh, so 
because mummy is 99. So like, I, it feels like he got kind of the blank check for the mummy before deep rising even right. came out. It seemed like people were just on board with this dude. And I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of like very businessy boring reasons for that. But something I will say is because this is a, because this is a director who appears to have such a deep love of pulpy old movies that plays very well in the room when you're talking with executives. Yeah. He also, I can picture, it's funny you say the thing about the pitch, like with all the shit that's in his movies, like how jam packed they are. That also must play well in a pitch because yeah. it's like, oh, there's enough. A skidoo. Yeah, yeah. They love it. <laughs> I've touched one of those. My granddaughter screamed at me about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I really had a great time talking about this movie with you. And I've I'm never s- been so happy in my we've life. We've got so many more to cover. We've got literally ones more. If I'm here's something I'm going to manifest right now. If okay. anyone there are eight thousand extras in this movie. If you were an extra on this movie, if you worked on this movie in any capacity, could you let us know? If you did crafty, if you uh, drove, if you are Stevens, yes, if you are, yeah, please, please let us know. And that goes for all of the Stephen Summers movies we're going to cover because they're because he loves an extra. Any connection you have, yeah, right in. Please do. Um, and then our. Uh, that's that's deep rising. I think that's deep rising. And the original title of this movie was. Tentacles. Tentacles, which is also, another name. Yeah. It gets you 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 ruin the surprise of it being an octopus. Yes. But yeah, I get that it is another I name. I get it. Um, um but anyway, that's our first installation in yes. Stephen Summer's summer or summer of summers. Exactly. Let if, us know. Please let us know what you're thinking about either of those names. Um, if you, <laughs> if you hate, if you hate this new direction for just, for just the summer, uh, please don't let us know. And don't very tender. Tell us. Yeah. I can't, handle it i am <laughs> sensitive i am a taurus sun cancer moon cancer rising i am tough on the surface but i can't handle anything underneath <laughs> stay away um and one other thing you can do get, get out. out forever dog this has been a forever dog production scary stories to tell on the pod is executive produced by brett boehm joe cilio and alex ramsey Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news.